Welcome to Cryptobiography. I'm your host, Brandon Starr. This is episode 348 of Cryptobiography, and it is part 19 and the conclusion of Tomorrow. And here we go. Despite what she had wanted, telling the whole town the story all at once did not keep her from being asked to tell the story over and over. But she found she didn't mind so much. Each time she told the story, she got more enthusiasm for her plan, as well as ideas on how to undertake it and how to do it safely. It was a few weeks until they were ready. Until then, in case retribution came from the mainlanders, they posted guards at all times, including some on the land side, in case they started their vengeance on some other part of the island. Meanwhile, they made their preparations. There were plenty of men who had not been killed, but whose wives, sisters, and daughters had been taken, and among them there was no shortage of volunteers. Once they had everything in place, they needed the right time. They waited until the weather was clear, and the nearly full moon had gone down during the day. That meant it would be up again for a good part of the night. Then they sailed off. The night seas were calm, even for here, between the island and the mainland. Even on the smallest boat, they had no trouble making way. There were twenty boats of mostly small size, and they all stayed fairly close to each other. They all had a safe but full crew on board. All told, there were eighty-eight people on their way. In addition to the people, they had a lot of supplies. Betty had put her head together with a lot of other people, and they had a clear mission and several ways to do it. And if some of the boats went down, the crews could be rescued. Betty should be tired, but she was just too excited. She and Oliver were on one of the smallest boats together. They were among the most knowledgeable sailors, and Oliver wanted to be in a small and nimble craft in case anyone else got into trouble. The full moon was high in the sky as they approached. They had a good couple of hours before the sun would be up. They hoped to be done and gone by the time that happened. There were two ferries still at the ferry docks. Neither seemed particularly close to sailing, and Betty suspected that they had been cannibalized to make the ferry used in the attack on their island seaworthy. But they had decided as a group to make sure the ferries never sailed again. The men who were coming and knew the most about engines, were in charge of sabotaging the ferries. The ferries were too large to be sunk on short notice, and so making sure the engines were ruined seemed the best method. In addition to tools, they had oil and pitch from the town's stores and ways to start a fire. With luck, the sabotage would be supplemented with a large fire. Betty and Oliver, plus a majority of the small boats, were going to the marina and setting the same oil-and-pitch fires on the rest of the boats. Even if they didn't fully break the hulls, they would at least ruin the masts and sails. Some of the guards came out, but they had some javelins to throw, and others had bow and arrows, and they kept them at bay while the arsonists worked. Soon every seaworthy boat, and indeed the docks themselves, plus the less-than-seaworthy boats from the other part of the marina that Betty had noticed before, were all going up in flames. They sailed away, half north, half south. The ferry saboteurs were still working. The plan was to meet on the sea near the ferries before returning home together. They went up and down the shore, looking for any other boats. There were only a few, 
and all of them seemed to be less than ready to make the trip to the island. They burned them anyway. Soon, they were on their way home. Betty was thrilled. They would have to have a post-mission meeting to determine exactly what damage had been done, particularly to the ferries, and she was already planning return trips. She would lead those as needed, in case the mainlanders felt like revenge or they got so desperate that they decided to make a flotilla before they were so weakened that they died out, Betty would be watching and preparing new attacks as needed. Of course, the mainlanders might pull boats up onto land and repair them there, but they would be on the watch for that as well. When they got back, everyone was jumping up and down and hugging. It had all gone very well. Not only had they not lost anyone or any boat, none of the mainlanders had been hurt. Their boats, meanwhile, were gone. The ferry saboteurs had confirmed that the distraction from the main marina had given them plenty of time to get down into the bowels of the ferries, where they cut wires, jammed and broke off metal shards and the mechanisms, and then set fire to both ferries. Betty had become a leader. They all looked to her for confirmation and advice. She planned the return trips and helped determine the best ways to make sure there wasn't an attack anywhere else on the island near any of the other towns. She spent the next years making sure the mainlanders stayed where they were, plus learning a thousand other skills. The island stayed safe, and eventually her mind turned towards more adult things. But even after marrying her childhood friend, Ron Brewer, and having three children, she remained mostly a leader of the community and a protector of the island. And though they couldn't get back a lot of what they had lost on that terrible night that the mainlanders had attacked, and they kept sliding backwards in technology, she eventually was certain that their town had a future. The mainlanders had grown quiet over the years. Betty suspected they had mostly died out, and that their form of religious authoritarianism likely had changed in some way, but she was never curious enough to go to the mainland to find out. There were fewer people visible from the sea year by year, and Betty knew that they would not be a threat again, but that did not lessen her vigilance, and she sailed those scouting missions until she was a very, very old woman, fortunate not to have gotten cancer or some other disease they couldn't control. And her children had had children, and those children would soon have children of their own. And she was happy. And that's the end of the story, and I hope you've enjoyed it. I've certainly enjoyed writing it. It ended up being a lot different than I thought when I started. Uh, I guess there's more to say on this, but I mean, I always knew a few, th I, I always knew the sort of the main story beats, but um, I didn't really realize how like close I would get to Betty as a character. Like I didn't, I thought that maybe her and her brother would both be sort of main characters, but then I realized as the story was being written, it was really just going to be about Betty pretty, pretty, pretty early on. And it was just, I just found her an interesting character to write for. Uh, and I liked her story and I hope you did too. If you have any comments or questions about this episode or previous episodes, cryptobiography at gmail.com or hit us up on Facebook or Twitter or X or, or Mastodon. And thanks for listening. Uh, Words of Music, copyright 2024, Brandon Starr, all rights reserved. Characters and events are fictional, fictionalized, or satirical. <laughs>